church. Hey, welcome everybody. Want to say a quick welcome to all of our services happening all weekend long at our plantation campus. Also want to welcome our gateway campus east of I-75 and welcome also everyone who's watching or listening online. Maybe you're in another country, maybe you're in another state, whatever. Man, we're so pumped that you're here with us because this weekend we are launching our big Christmas series that we're calling Joy to the World. Well, of course, Joy to the World is like one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time. It's one of, I've probably heard it already uh, on, you know, on my phone or on a radio, you know, that's playing Christmas music, like probably 20 times already. So anybody else, come on, every service, raise your hand right now. You've heard Joy to the World like a lot, a lot, a lot, right, right, like all of us, right? Like there's this like joy to the world is everywhere, joy to the world, joy to the king, there's all these different versions, there's the acapella version, there's the rock version, there's the Trans-Siberian Orchestra version, there's all these, like all of this, like joy, to, it's everybody's joy, 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 happy, happy, joy, joy, joy to the world everywhere, right? But have you noticed anything? Have you noticed that joy is actually absent for some people? Like, like the lady in the Macy's shoe department today who was yelling at the guy because he couldn't find the other size 9 shoe that she wanted. There's one in the box, and she's like, where's size 9? Where's size 9? How come you can't find size 9? Ma'am, we're doing all we can. How can you make Okay. Joyless, okay, she doesn't have joy. She's lacking joy to her world. She is, right? Okay, isn't it interesting how, how absent joy seems to be? Like when the package shows up that you ordered and all over the box it says, fragile, 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 handle with care, right? And it's busted. Joyless, okay, joy to that world, right? Or you wait with your blinker on, right, at the mall. You got the parking space. You waited for 14 bags to go in there. They load 17 kids in a car seat, right? The whole day. You got your blinker on, and everybody's mad at you, and they're going around, right? And then some blue Toyota Corolla slips into your spot. An opportunity to lose our joy. That's what that is. That's an opportunity to lose our joy. All of us have experienced that already, haven't we? These opportunities in a, in a season that's supposed to be joy, right? In a season that's the most wonderful time of the year, and yet so many people are lacking joy. And here's the thing. As, as Christians, as believers in Jesus... We're supposed to lead the charge on this one, aren't we? We're supposed to be, though, if anybody has a reason to be joyful at Christmas time, it's us. I mean, my goodness, it's not just about a baby in a manger. It's about a, a Savior on a cross. We've been forgiven of our sins. God has done so much His grace and His mercy in our life. And yet, so many of us, unfortunately, find ourselves living in a joyless world. What do we do? How do we navigate that? How do we handle that? How do we, how do we get this joy thing into our world this Christmas? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about joy to the world. And not just anybody's world. We're going to be talking about joy to our world so that we, as followers of Jesus, can become joy to the world. 
So when you came into your service this weekend, whatever service you're at, whatever campus you're in, you were handed a bulletin. Inside of there, there's a sheet of paper with some fill-in-the-blanks. I would love for you to pull that out. Come on, whatever service you're in, pull that out of your bulletin because I want to talk about four things that joy is. We're going to ask and answer the question this weekend, what is joy? What is joy? And not just the world's version of joy or what they think joy is. We're going to look at it through the lens of Scripture, the Bible, which around here at Next Level Church, we believe is the inspired word of God. And we're going to ask and answer that question, what is joy? If you want to write this down or follow along, here's the first thought. Number one, we have to know, it's so important to know, that joy is different than happiness. Joy is different than happiness. See, happiness is based on what's happening. So, when somebody brings cupcakes to my office, I'm happy. Happy guarantee you I'm happy, right? When somebody, when, when the boss calls us in and says, hey, good news, starting January 1, we're giving you a raise. Okay, happy. We're happy, right? Circumstances are going our way. We're happy. When our team wins on Sunday, guess what? We are happy. But here's what I want us to understand. That's different than joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is about contentment. See, we get happy when circumstances go our way. When the boss says we get a raise, when somebody brings cupcakes, when our team wins, we get, when circumstances go our way, we get happy. But joy is much deeper than that. Joy is much greater than that. Joy comes, according to the Bible, from being content regardless of the circumstances happening. Around us. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul spoke to this. Uh, who, who, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament of the Bible. And in a letter that he was writing to the church at Philippi, this community of believers, a lot like us, uh, only a long time ago they wore different clothes, but they were a lot like us. He writes this letter to them. And we know it as the book of Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul writes the following. Look what it says. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, here's the most amazing thing about this passage of Scripture, this book of the Bible. Paul wrote it from prison. He was in a prison cell when he penned these words that I know what it is to, 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 to have plenty, but I also know what it is to be in want. I know what it is to be well-fed, and I know what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is. He's writing from a prison cell for crying out loud. And yet he's able to pin these words, and yet I have found the secret, and the secret is contentment. See, happiness is an emotion, but joy is a state of being. And listen, this is a big mistake that we Christians, we followers of Jesus, oftentimes can, can fall into. That we start to think happiness and joy are the same thing. But here's the problem with that, and we got to get this. The reason why this is so important for us, don't miss this. this. This matters because if we think that happiness and joy are the same thing, then guess what? We will question the goodness of God when we aren't happy. When circumstances don't go our way, all of a sudden we look around and we go, well, God must not love me. Well, God must not care about me. Well, God must not be good. No, 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 listen. God's goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy for us is not contingent on whether we have a good day or a bad day. It's not circumstantial at all. 
His love is eternal. His love is forever. His grace and His mercy abound in our life, whether we feel good, whether we're happy or not. Joy is different than happiness. Here's the second thing we've got to understand, truth, if you will, about this idea of true joy. Number two, write it down, joy is a fruit. According to the Bible, joy is a fruit. Galatians chapter 5, again, the Apostle Paul writing, look what he says. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit in our life causes fruit to grow, evidence of his presence in our life in ever-increasing fashion. Look, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, there it is, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Some of you are like, can I get that fruit basket for my (laughs) in-laws? Don't you wish. Look what he says. Against such, there is no law. In other words, when God's fruit of his spirit is growing in our life, you can't contain it. It cannot be bound up. It cannot be packaged and precise. No, no, there is no law. There's no way to hold it in. Joy, according to scripture, is a fruit. And see, listen, when we're abiding in Jesus Christ, when we are attached to him, we can be facing circumstances out of our control. We can be facing circumstances that are negative. We can can be looking on in our life, and it's not what we hoped for. It's not what we wanted. It's not how we hoped it would come. But but the, the fruit of joy can still be present in our life, even though circumstances don't make us happy. See, fruit grows in spite of circumstances, right? I grew up in Indiana, and I've often talked about the three apple trees that grew on the side of our house next to our garage, this big hill and these great big huge apple trees. And here's the thing. Apple trees don't stop growing apples when it rains. Just because a thunderstorm comes by, it's not like the apple trees are like, everybody stop growing fruit. Okay, that doesn't happen. Matter of fact, let me take the metaphor a step further. It is the presence of rain every so often that actually makes the fruit grow better. That's a word for somebody. you got to hear that this weekend. That's a word for you. Some of us have, we've been cursing the rain. Some of us in our life, we've been, we've been angry about the, the, the rainstorms that have come into our life. And yet, God is actually trying to use those rainstorms in our life to produce more fruit, fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such there is no containing. Stop cursing the rain in your life this weekend and start embracing it as an opportunity for God to grow more and better fruit of His Spirit in your life. See, joy is different than happiness. Number two, joy is a fruit. Number three, write this down. Joy is a choice. When it comes to joy to our world, joy is a choice. So this summer we took uh, our boys on on vacation. And the place where we were staying had one of those giant red Coke machines with the touch screen face. Anybody ever experienced that? Come on, every service, every kid. Come on, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, testify. Okay. As a kid with ADD, I'm just telling you, that's like so to heaven. I mean, growing up, it was like you want Coke, Diet Coke, or Sprite. And if you're in the South, all you get is Coke. So I'm walking up the first time, like I put my cup under there, and there's like 13 circles. 
Coke, Diet Coke, Barks, Diet Barks, Sprite, like all of the, like, and again, I'm like, this is heaven in like liquid form. This is awesome. And so I'm like, and I push one of the touchscreen, you know, little dot circle deals, you know, and guess what happened? 13 more choices popped up. Do you want grape, orange, cherry, vanilla? I'm like, yeah. And there's like this whole line of nine-year-olds behind me. And they're like, come on, old man, hurry it up. And I'm like, hey, zip it, lippy. <laughs> I'm looking at all the lights and the colors, all in this pretty red box, all for me. There's like 350 choices in this little machine. You can get diet, cherry, grape, vanilla, bark, soda, caffeine-free. I'm like, this is awesome. Okay, see, here's the thing. We live in a world that gives us a gazillion different choices of how we can respond at any given moment in terms of our emotions. And if you don't believe me, just look at your phone. There's over a hundred emoji faces that you can choose from to reply to any given text at any time. I counted them this afternoon. hundred of them. Over a hundred. And that doesn't even, wait for it, that doesn't even include the thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways, the hand gesture thing. Like, what in the world? Okay, our phone gives us over a hundred different ways to respond emotionally. Like there's the red face, the angry face, right? The smiley face, the squinty face, the kissy face, the tongue out face, right? The monkey face. <laughs> we got emojis, people. Okay, here's the deal. In a world with a million emotional response options, it is easy for us, even as Christians, it's easy for us to forget that joy is one of our choices. That joy is one of the buttons on the machine that we can go to and push anytime we want. We can choose joy. Any moment, anytime, anywhere, we have the ability to choose joy. No matter what our circumstances are. In the face of bad news, I choose joy. In the face of a, of a fight with my spouse, I can choose joy. In the face of a, one of our teenagers going and making in a direction and making decisions that aren't what we would want for that person and we don't feel like they're wise for our son or our daughter, guess what? In those circumstances, in any circumstance, we can say, I choose joy. When we're sitting across from the doctor and he looks at us and he says, I'm afraid it's bad news, in that moment we can say, I choose joy. Come on, next level, what if? What if this Christmas, from now to New Year's Eve, we just woke up every morning, put our feet on the side of the bed and said, Lord, today I choose joy. In spite of my circumstances, no matter what I face, no matter where I go, no matter what happens to me today, God, today I choose joy. And some of us, we need to do that. We need to take that dare. We need to take that challenge. I dare you. From now to New Year's Eve, choose joy. It is something that can be chosen. Because it's not happiness. It's different than happiness. It's a fruit of the Spirit that God grows in our life. Three, joy is a choice. And number four, 
Joy is our strength. According to Scripture, joy is actually a strength to us. There's, there's this amazing story in the Old Testament about God's people, and they were in Jerusalem. And so this, they're living in the city of Jerusalem, and uh, for a long, long time, several decades, many, many years, the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. Now, to you and I, that might not seem like much, and maybe you have a neighbor whose fence is broken down, and you're like, I wish he was here this weekend so he could hear how it's important to rebuild your fence or wall. Okay, but in those days, here's what that meant. In essence, what it meant was the rest of the world would look on at God's people and see their wall broken down, see them exposed, and they would draw conclusions about God. And so they would say, oh, well, see, if God's people aren't provided for, well, then God must not be that great. They were a disgrace to God, to the reputation of God. And so after dozens, dozens and dozens, decades and decades of years, God's finally had enough, and so he burdens the heart of a man named Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and motivate the people of God, to inspire them, to cast vision, to say, hey, let's no longer be a disgrace. Let's rebuild the wall. And so Nehemiah goes back into Jerusalem, and, and, and for 52 days, he does just that. He casts vision, and he motivates them, and he inspires them, and, and, and they start to come under attack, and the neighboring communities start to, to try and deceive them and trick them, and it's just this incredible story. At one point, the Bible says that they had a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. That, like, there's this, there's this work fight, work fight. Okay, so like, they have just been through it. And in 52 days, miraculously, they rebuild the wall. They put the gates in place, and they have restored the honor and dignity of God's reputation in that, in that part of the world. So, to commemorate and to celebrate, Nehemiah says, hey, come on, we're going to throw a party. We're going to throw a big old church service. We're all going to get together. It was probably at the Barber B. Man. I mean, we don't know. I don't know that that's officially in Scripture, but they probably were doing like four, like a December 23rd, and three on the 24th. Like, I don't know, but that's probably what they were thinking. So Nehemiah's like, come on, we all got to get together. We're gonna, we got we to gotta celebrate this. We got to commemorate this. And so all the people of God get together in this court. And, and look what it says. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. It says this. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Now, what does that mean, the book of the law of Moses? That was another way of saying the Bible. For them, that was their, that was their scripture, their Bible. So go get the word of God and bring it out, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Verse 2. So, on the first day of the seventh month, which is December 23rd and 4th, I'm sure. So on the first day, I have no idea, of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. So he brings out the word of God, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. Verse 3. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. From 6 a.m. to noon. That's a long church service. Okay. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Look at verse 8. They read from the book of the law of God, from the word of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. So they didn't just read scripture. They would read a passage of scripture, and then they would explain it. They would say, hey, listen, here's what this means to you. Here's what this means now. Here's how this is relevant to your life. So they would apply what they were reading in the Bible, much like we do here on the weekends at Next Level, that we read scripture, and then we apply it to our life. So that's what they're doing here. I love that verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor 
Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of, of the law. What, what's going on here? Okay, here's what's happening. Several generations have passed since the last time God's word was read and applied to their lives. So watch this. This was God's word being read and applied in a relevant and applicable way to a new generation. And all of a sudden, this generation, for the first time in their life, is understanding what God wants for them, what God is asking of them to do, how he wants them to live. And so when they suddenly start to have their eyes open and they start to realize we've, what we've been missing, remorse and guilt starts to flood their heart. And they start weeping, they start crying, they start feeling guilty, they start feeling condemnation, they start feeling this remorse and this regret. And Nehemiah and the leaders stop them and they say, no, 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 stop, stop. That's not what we're supposed to, to experience when we hear the word of God. It's not about guilt and condemnation. It's not about regret. No, 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 no. Listen, we need to react just the opposite. Look what he says, verse 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Sounds like the holidays, doesn't it? And send some to those who have nothing prepared. Don't forget about the poor and the less fortunate this time of year. This day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve. Don't get upset. Don't feel guilty. Don't, no, 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 no. Don't feel condemnation. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not guilt, not condemnation, not sorrow, not sadness. No, no, no. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And Nehemiah stops them and he says, hey, listen. When you are reminded of God's grace, when you uh, uh, see the truth of God revealed in your life, when people hang up Christmas lights, when the whole world turns its attention to a baby in a manger, don't let it feel guilty, don't feel sadness, don't feel sorrow, don't feel grief, don't feel guilt, don't feel condemnation. Feel joy in that moment. Because the joy of the Lord is the thing that will strengthen you. And so next level church, listen, this Christmas season, I believe that our God wants the same for us. See, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come into the world to make us feel guilty and make us feel horrible and make us feel like all we can do is listen to a bunch of rules and just miss the mark and be so awful. No, no, no. Jesus came to convict us of our sin, to, 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 to show us how we're imperfect and how we need a Savior. But the whole message of Christmas is that Jesus came not to just be a baby in a manger, but to be a Savior on a cross that once and for all, the punishment, the payment for our sin is dealt with and taken care of forever for good. 
that is the message of Christmas, and that message should place inside of our spirit a joy this season. A joy that becomes our strength. As I was preparing for this weekend and for this series, I was reading through the book of Psalms, and I was reading some of the different Psalms. And I read through Psalm chapter 34, which is, which is David, who's writing, the great King David. And, and the, the circumstances of Psalm 34 is basically that David is like on the run. Like there's these bad guys who are trying to kill him. And he's on the run. And he's penning these poems, and he's penning these songs, and he's playing his harp, and he's just like, he's like this, okay. And as I read Psalm 34, it was, it, it was, there was this prompting inside of me that this weekend, I really, I felt like God wanted me to read this psalm over us. That there would be some who would come into this place, in one of our services, who are lacking joy, who have been living under a spirit of heaviness. And I just believe, here's what I believe. I believe that as we read this scripture, as we pray this scripture, as we, as this scripture is spoken over our life, here's what I believe is going to happen right now. I believe in every service this weekend, God is just going to bring an infusion of joy into so many of us who need it. So many of us who've been living under it, who've been living under the heaviness, under the cloud, under this, this weight of stress and pressure in our world. And here's what I believe. I believe that God wants to set us free this weekend. And he wants to bring an infusion of joy into our heart. So I want to read this passage of Scripture over us. Maybe for some of you, you need to read along with me. Maybe others of you, you just need to open your hands and just receive a fresh infilling from the Lord. Wherever you fall in that, listen, receive from the Lord this Christmas, the joy that's available. Psalm chapter 34 says this, I will extol or will pronounce, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord, not in the stuff I have or the things that I do. I'll glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted, those who, who are going through stuff, hear and rejoice. There's the joy piece again. Glorify the Lord with me. He's, he's calling on us saying, come on, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. I sought Him he answered me and he delivered me from every single one of my fears. Listen, if fear has gripped your heart, be released, be delivered this weekend. Those who look to him are radiant. They radiate the glory of God. There's something different about them. Their faces are never covered with shame. No, 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 it's not shame. It's not guilt. It's not condemnation. It's, it's the glory of God. It's the joy of the Lord that radiates from us. This poor man, he's referring to himself. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all, all his troubles. 
The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. In other words, God's got your back. He's putting protection around you. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord. Revere the Lord. Respect the Lord. Fear the Lord, you as holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. He's speaking metaphorically. The lions are representing those people that are trying to attack him and kill him. And he said, at some point, my enemies are going to wear themselves out. But me, because I fear the Lord, he's got me. I'm not going to lack anything ever. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Speak truth. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Some of us need to seek peace this Christmas. Stop seeking stress and pressure and let it go. It'll happen. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry. That's good news. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous, that's you and I, cry out. And the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Look at this next part. I love this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Some of you have been crushed in spirit over the last season of your life, and the Lord would want you to know He's close to you. He's close to you this Christmas. He saves those crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles. He doesn't promise no trouble. He says, you may have trouble, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your joy. Jesus, I pray right now for every single person who's listening this weekend, I pray for an infusion, a supernatural infusion of joy to rest upon them. Jesus, for those who are, who are heavy hearted, those who have been living under a spirit of heaviness, I pray that that heaviness will begin to break off of them right now, right now, right, even as we're praying, even in this moment, God, break off that spirit of heaviness. May we leave this place different than we came in today. Jesus, thank you that you desire for your people, your children, to live in joy. Not just for ourselves, but God, you desire that we would live, that we would radiate joy in such a way that the world around us would see and notice the difference. God, may we be joy to the world. This Christmas we pray in your name. Your name we pray. And everybody who agreed with you in every service said,